Welcome back, back to Young Money Mindset, hosted by Luke Caricia and Robbie Holcross. From, from the ground up, where we talk about mindset, real estate, the hustle, and everything to help you achieve your dreams. Everyone, welcome back to Young Money Mindset. Super excited for the Novation King here in studio with us today. We have a really good podcast planned out for you guys. Um, Robbie, why don't you kick us off today, kind of dive into a little bit of Rich's background and if you want to fill us in on that as well. Yeah, Mr. Rich Wonders, I'm super excited to meet you, man. I've been looking forward to it. Uh, obviously, you've got the name Novation King, you know, it draws <laughs> a lot of attention. Um, I've been very curious myself, kind of what that world looks like. Obviously, I, I know what the process is, but I've been very curious to kind of hear your background, how you got into it, um, and what that process, you know, first looked like for you. So, you want to kick it off, kind of tell us you know, your introduction into real estate in general? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I was a vacuum salesman for nine years. Uh, I sold Kirby vacuums door to door. And I had a, uh, a buddy that I saw taking all these crazy vacations. I thought he was a realtor. And I hit him up. He was like one of my childhood friends. And uh, I asked him, you know, what he was doing. And he told me he was wholesaling. And so I kind of went down the rabbit hole on YouTube. Uh, I came across Sean Terry, among some other people. And I really connected with kind of Sean Terry's style of sales. And it was very similar to what I did in Kirby. And I ended up hitting him up on Instagram. And, you know, maybe a month later or so after just persistent follow-up, was able to get an interview and eventually got hired and, uh, you know, ran uh, his sales department for a while. I was with him for two years. So I did in-house appointments local for the first year. And then we switched to virtual model right before COVID. Wow. So, okay. And that's selling the, the the Kirby vacuum cleaners, right? So you, or was that before? Oh, that was before. So okay. Sean, gotcha. yeah, Sean, okay. Ter- gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I was doing that, and then I came across wholesaling. And Sean Got Terry it. is is a guru, and he's been wholesaling for a long time. He's one of the people that introduced a lot of people to wholesaling, like Carlos Reyes and Max, and you know several big names like learned about wholesaling from going to Sean Terry events. Gotcha. Okay. So then you did, uh, so you were basically with Sean Terry, it sounds like for, for about a you know a few years. Mm-hmm. And then what did that look like? Like, what was your mindset on why you wanted to leave that? Cause it sounded like you had a good thing going with Sean, right? So sure. what was the kind of that mindset or how did you make that transition away from Sean? Cause I know a lot of people out there watching right now, maybe on a real estate team, or they might be at a company that maybe they don't want to be with at anymore. So like what piece of advice would you give someone that wants to either, tradi- you know, transition or maybe they want to go start their own thing? Well, for me, it was an easy decision because I, I got fired. So Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no, it real easy. easy. Yeah. 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 It was pretty cut and dry. Yeah. So ba- I'll, I'll, give, I'll give the short version of it. Okay? okay. So basically, I had a killer month. I had 360000 in revenue. That was close. Uh, and I had a new guy that I had hired that also did a big six-figure deal. And basically, I, w- I was feeling myself, of course, as a lot of salesmen do. And there was a dispute on someone that I wanted to hire. Him and his new right-hand man uh, disagreed. And basically, I, uh, I-, I went over the line. I said things that you shouldn't say to a boss. I threw something into his face that I-, that I shouldn't have about a past hire. And it was just kind of clear that, you know, there was a, a disconnect there. And I wasn't the right fit for that place. Basically, like I kind of mentally had outgrown it in my mind, you know what I mean? Whether I had or not, like I thought I had. And he kind of saw that and then we had to part ways that way. And then yeah. um, 
Uh, but it was it was a huge blessing, and I'm have nothing but good things to say about Sean. Yeah, He's now, an amazing guy. Now that I've heard his name a few times, I feel like I've heard it around the industry for quite a while. Like I feel yeah. like every once in a while, I don't know if he's real active on social media. I don't think I've seen him a whole lot on social, but I've heard it, definitely heard of Sean Terry through the grapevine of just different folks that have learned from him. And I've always heard really good things about Sean. Yeah. And, it, and he has a course, right? So. Oh yeah, he's he does a lot of training. He's got a mastermind. He moved on to multifamily and syndication and stuff. And he wasn't as active on social media anymore. Uh, he, he's still on social media, but that's not really his bread and butter anymore. He's, yeah. Did, did you have involvement in his course? Because I know you, you sell a course now, um, kind of, you know, about around the novation. Did you learn a lot about the course side of, of business from him at all? Or was that kind of after? So not directly, but through observation, absolutely. And he's a very charismatic public speaker, very charismatic leader. Um, and just very good at communication. So yes, I tried to soak up as much as I could. And I did my training off of his courses. Like when I worked for him, like, it's not like he was coming in nine to five and sitting next to me. You know what I mean? He had other things going on. He had bigger fish to fry. So yeah, no, absolutely. I learned a, a ton from them. Yeah. And what's your, so in, in back to the course thing, because I think there's, that's going to provide a lot of value out there. So anyone that doesn't know, Rich has a course out there called Rainmakers yep. and it's a novation course that basically goes through how to do a novation, right? From step one to step, you know, the final step to get you all the way through the process. So if novations has been something that, you know, has been on your mind, maybe you've thought about it. I'm not shooting a promo video here for this. But <laughs> I'll get you later. Yeah. Air, air the ad. I know, for real. I'm going to see it clipped probably on IG ads here. But um, I've always heard really good things about Rich, and we appreciate you coming on, spending your time here with us today. So um, we're called Young Money Mindset. Our audience is a whole lot of, you know, Younger folks, maybe, you know, that want to make a transition, maybe they enjoy what they're doing, but they want to learn about mindset. So yeah. I want to spend the next 15, 20 minutes really diving into your mindset and what makes, you know, your program really so successful. And then what makes you successful outside of your program? I love it because I'm I'm a big advocate of mindset because my mindset won't make you successful, but having the wrong mindset will stop you from being successful. So, and there was a lot of times where I can now look back in hindsight and see I was getting in my own way. And a lot of people do that from limited mindsets, negative thinking, not being solution oriented. Well, and especially right now too, right? I mean, there's a lot of negativity out there with the market, you know, people don't know what's going on, interest rates. So I think that's something that we'd love to learn from you on is like, how do you protect your mindset or, you know, how do you tune out all that negativity and really focus on making your calls, you know, talking to agents and getting deals? How do you really cut out that noise and focus in on that? I know for me personally, what works is really just, I turn off my phone. That's 90 99% of it. I know it sounds stupid, but yeah. if you turn off your phone or just don't look at social media and then surround yourself really with positive thinkers. And I know that's cliche. That's what everyone says is, you know, Hey, you, you are the, the five people, you know, so you are, you know, what the, the closest five people around you are, whatever that, however that saying goes. Yeah. 
Um, but really, at least for me, that's that's really made a huge different difference in my business and our real estate team here at Thrive Real Estate. Like it's really, really been all about surrounding ourselves with good people. And one thing we have is like the 10K a month mindset. Like we want to surround ourselves not only with the positive thinkers, but people that actually want to go make some fucking money, right? right. Like well, I don't want to be surrounded by people that are, you know, jolly old rancher and they're making four <laughs> grand a month and they're so happy, right? So <laughs> how do you put yourself in rooms where people are making a lot of money? I know you know a lot of folks, you've, you've been networking a ton. How do you get, how do you get around that scene if you're not a, in it already? Um, is there anything you could share on that end of it? Yeah, so I look at problems and difficulties. I try to view through the lens of as opportunities. So the more problems and difficulties I see, that's more opportunities. And I'm a I'm a big believer of finding things that you're good at and trying to become great at them. Zeroing in on a couple strengths. Like for me, it ended up being communication, right? Like selling, negotiation. Now, teaching, I, I, I have a real passion for it. Like, I light up when I start talking about it. And there's lots of things that I actually dislike doing very much. What are some of those things you don't like doing? Oh, like, man. Paperwork, follow-up, um, organization, um, bookkeeping. Um. When did you outsource <laughs> that? Because I know a lot of people hate doing those tasks or, you know, maybe it could be some of the other things. When, when was that point in your business where you're like, man, now's the time to go outsource the paperwork or to go outsource some of the cold calling? What Did that time come or are you still doing a lot of that paperwork right now? So um, I have a transaction coordination company now uh, that I work with. It's uh, Easy REI Closing. So they handle the title side of it. Now I still have to fill out contracts and stuff, but that's not too bad. Yeah. It's DocuSign, copy paste, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the TC side I've outsourced and I actually didn't do that until recently. Um, okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm very hard headed. I yeah. like, <laughs> I get kind of in a go, go, go hustler mindset. Um, but I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning how to get away from that. Have yeah. You, have you read, uh, this, this is funny. It's, uh, have you read who, not how? I've heard of it. I haven't read so it. So I, I just finished it and it literally ties in exactly to what you're saying. And, and it's, uh, it's, there's plenty of people out in the world that are happy to do those things and you just give them a platform to do it. And you can surround yourself with people, you know, that love to do these little items that you don't love to do that they're amazing at. Um, nice. It's, I mean, it's killer for mindset and understanding, um, you know, is just recently launching a business myself that I don't need to be the sole proprietor that does everything. You know what I mean? It's, it's amazing to have a team built around it of people that love to do what they're good at. You know, I think Absolutely. a lot of, I think a lot of people struggle though with like, when is that time? time, right? Like, sure. is it, a, is it after your 10th deal? Is it after, you know, I get that question all the time. Hey Luke, you know, when, when should I think about starting a team or Hey, you know, when should I bring on that TC? I'm, I'm doing three deals right now. I want to go to the next level. And I think it really, at least in my opinion, it all boils down to how you're positioned. You know, if you have the reserves and you have the ability to kind of reinvest into the business and not necessarily worry about shit, I don't have money to pay my essentials, you know, business wise, then I think it's, it is a good time because then you can practice, at least what I've done is practice letting that control go and then practice learning how to manage it and oversee it. Because that's a whole nother ball game too, is now once you've outsourced the TC and, and I guess your case, you hired a TC company. Sure. So that's 
you know, you, you don't have that in-house, which is good. It's probably a better thing to outsource. Oh, you way know. better. Because I can't teach them to do what I don't know. Like yeah. the TCs that I hired know way more than me. So like when we get in the weeds on a deal, if I have someone that I'm paying, that I'm training, if I don't know, yeah, they they definitely won't know. Yeah. And then you're right back to square one. And then it's like everything gets all right. fucked up. Um, so switching gears a little bit, I know mindset, like I said, is really, I think something that I want to hammer on today because of the way the market is right now. So with the negativity out there, what's your thoughts on this market? Where, where do you think prices are going? Where do you think rates are going? I'd love to hear kind of what your brief overview of the market is, and then we can kind of dive in a little deeper. So with what we do, luckily it's an arbitrage. So whether the market goes up, down, side to side, it doesn't matter. Nowhere you. at all. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Cause the type of properties and sellers we work with are people that have situational distress in their life. And with novations, it may not necessarily be that the property's distressed. It, the property may be distressed too, but normally it's the seller situation. And those types of life situations will never end. Right. People will always get divorced. There'll be sickness, death, financial pressure, loss of jobs. So um, honestly, like if the economy gets worse, I, I hate to say this, but it's going to get better for us because there's going to be more opportunities. But I also do see having a high responsibility to serve the seller on a high level, give them a great experience, do exactly what we say we're going to do and set the proper expectations to make it like fair exchange. Yeah, well, I, and I would imagine the days on market, though, has to affect you. So if we go from a market that, hey, you know, average days on market's 90 days. If we go to a market, who knows what's going to happen? But let's say, hypothetically, you know, days on market goes to, you know, 120 days, you know, 180 sure. days. Doesn't that, wouldn't that affect innovations in a sense? Because now it's like, hey, you know, how long am I going to let you guys get out there and really market it and sell it? Is there going to be, because of that situational distress, typically the distress we see is like, hey, we wanted to get it done. You know, we're getting a divorce. I don't want nothing to do with with that person or that person. So usually yeah. it seems like they're, and I don't, maybe it's just a self-limiting belief where I'm making it a bigger issue than what it is, you know, in reality. So with with whenever we're in a market that has high days on market, we just price more aggressively. We want ours to be the one that stands out immediately. So we, we do take it into account for that, but we have to be careful, right? Because um, the last thing we want is getting properties under contract and the deal not going through. It's the worst for the seller. The seller is the one that's the most harmed in that situation. It's bad for the realtor because they work for free. It's bad for us because we work for free. So it's a, it's a three-way loss. So we have several systems in place. And these are other things that I learned the hard way, of course, from losing deals. But there's many checks and balances where we can find out very early in the transaction where we stand. Um, for example, calling all the realtors that have sold in the area and interviewing them for the listing, getting their opinion on where it needs to be listed to sell in 30 days. Now, if we just call one realtor, right, and they sound great and they give us a number, they could be wrong, right? But if we talk to five, 10 people, we've got a pretty good idea on what's going on in the area and can kind of take a consensus. And if we find some new information we weren't aware of, we can make an adjustment early before anybody gets harmed. And we can say, hey, because of X, Y, and Z, this new information, we would need to be here to proceed. And then if we part ways, great, no harm, no foul. And if they're okay with it, then we proceed forward. Is, is the MLS your main source for finding sellers that need, need people like you? 
Uh, I, I actually 100% JV deals all okay. through Instagram. So my Instagram is my lead source. Really? Very cool. Absolutely. So everything comes in on the on the JV side on on Instagram. And there's one reason too, like back to that, you know, you're, you're getting the lead out of Instagram. But if let's say someone brings you a deal, you JV on it, and let's mm-hmm. use that hypothetical where days on market are increasing. There's always one reason why a house isn't going to sell. It always boils down to price. Sure. So I love that answer where you said, you know, just ag- price it more aggressively and you're going to increase your likelihood of actually getting it sold and probably a lot faster and possibly too, depending on the market, maybe even get a little bit more depending on how aggressive you get on, on the price. So that's kind of like the 72 sold model that we started seeing a lot within the last couple of years is, Hey, you know, they're aggressively pricing them. And on the novation side, are you also doing kind of a similar thing where you're only opening it up to showings for maybe a day or two, or is that just property specific seller just it depends. It depends on the seller's situation. Now, the more access we have, the better. So it's a kind of a spectrum on giving them a good experience, but also not limiting our ability to get the job done. So normally we have a conversation with the seller. Uh, in most cases, setting up like a day on the weekend with a bigger window and maybe a few days during the week with smaller windows and then giving them 24-hour notice. Uh, beforehand. In most cases, that's like a pretty easy solution. Sometimes they'll give us just full rain. Sometimes they'll be vacant if we get lucky. But normally people send me all the hard ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by the time they make it to you. <laughs> yeah. By the time they make it to me, they've given up on it, you know, a lot of times, right? Yeah. So, but that, but that's good because like when we get the deals done, like it blows their mind too. Oh yeah. So, well, and is, do you see a lot of the JV partners bringing you deals or are dead wholesale leads? Um, <laughs> It's kind of a mix. So I don't want people just sending me in like bulk leads where it's like, hey, everyone that said no to you, shoot them my way. So I've gotten more kind of um, descriptive on the type of leads we're looking for. Uh, I would say probably 80% of them are hot leads where they're like, hey, look, the seller's willing to take a discount. It doesn't work in my wholesale uh, buy box. You know, it's either too fixed up. They're willing to take less than it's worth, but not low enough to sell to a fix and flipper or like a landlord and then we'll get it under contract. That's probably two thirds of them are people that they're just talking to that they know are motivated. And then the other third is maybe ones that are already under wholesale contract and now they wanna flip it to Novation. They've tried marketing and it's not working out. And you know we have to reset expectations on sometimes both the price and the process. You know Sometimes we get lucky and the price they have it at works as a Novation already. We just have to pivot on the process. But um, is there a percentage of and I know you get this questions all the time, but is there a percentage of ARV you guys are looking at or a percentage of the value? I know wholesale, everyone knows 70 percent minus repairs. Right. Is there a formula? Is there something you can provide the audience where if they're like, hey, I got a deal or maybe, you know, their buddy's got something and they want to shoot it over to you. What's like a boilerplate kind of way they can analyze it? So we don't look at after repair value. We look at as is retail. So we want to compare apples to apples as much as we can. So if ours is like a dated grandma house, we're looking for dated grandma houses in the immediate area. So we look at recently solds, we look at active listings and pendings, and try our best to determine what we think our subject property will need to be priced at to sell in 30 days or less, to get an offer in 30 days and then close in 60 days. 
because it's Got normally it. a 60-day or less timeline on this. You shouldn't need more than that. If you need more time than that, you're not pricing them properly. Yeah, you're, you're, you're priced too high, you're accruing days on market, and then you're probably going back to the seller asking for a reduction, right? If you if you find yourself in that position, you're probably going back like a lot of wholesalers are. After they shop it, they're like, oh, shit. So, I, But I like that, that piece about the as-is retail value because a lot of people I talk to, that's one of the biggest, I think, disconnects you see with when people start comping yeah. is they're constantly trying to always use ARV, 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 because that's what everyone trains on is, hey, right. ARV, you know, run your formula off that. But not every deal is going to be the the ARV priced comp, right? Some deals, it makes more sense to go look at as is retail, maybe do a whole tail deal you know, or do a lipstick and you're not going to get maybe the full ARV price because sure. you're not, you know, you're not fully renovated. So I think that's huge too. So it's, it's as is retail minus 10% and then minus at least $30,000. That's your max allowable offer. So 90% of as is retail minus 30 K. Now you want to build in as much room as you can, right? And there's deals recently this last month, we made 105,000 on a deal in Hampton, Georgia, uh, we made 90000 on a land deal in uh, Flagstaff, Arizona, with a crusty trailer that was missing a wall <laughs> and two and a half acres. Got it at 90, sold it at 180. So, um, like, there is opportunity to get big pops, especially when you get at the higher end of things, over half a million. There's not a lot of wholesale competition, and there's still people with problems to solve. And, you know, making a 10% margin on an $800,000 house is a lot easier than to make, you know, 80000 on a $200,000 house. That's kind of a tough one. Like the, the land thing, that was like a, a, a fish that jumped in our boat. Like that, that, that was a lucky one. Yeah. We made a big pop, and that was actually a cash deal, but we listed it on the market, and we listed it with a lady uh, that sold a crusty trailer just like ours right down the street. Wow. And she sold in two days. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah, Brought you 180 cash. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like, run it in. Yeah. <laughs> run it in yeah. as soon as possible. Cause I don't want to start thinking about that check before it closes. When you're doing, uh, when you're doing like out of state deals, uh, how are you sourcing people there to go take a look at the properties, to fix them up, to, to clean them up? Are you, are you just sourcing people locally? Are you finding realtors there? So we work with with elite realtors. So we call all the realtors that have sold in the area because we figure, hey, look, they've already had success here. They must know something, right? Because you can get a great realtor, but if all their properties are 35 minutes away, by default, your property is going to be the stepchild, right? So you want someone that knows the area, that's motivated. We set ourselves up as a high value client with them. Everything's very cut and dry. We make it very easy for them to work with us. And uh, yeah, we, we lean on them for everything, for vendors, if we need to clean it up, their advice on what we should or shouldn't do. And that's why it's really important that we find A-level players. Like I will interview as many people as we can. And then normally there's one or two that are really good. And then there's like a, a clear standout. Do you ever find that agents are hesitant? I would imagine, I mean, if someone called me and said, hey, here's a listing, you know, like sure. without ever meeting you, you're some yeah. guy in Phoenix and like, and you're calling me like, hey, here's a listing. It's right down the street from you. Like yeah. you, you run into that a lot where they're like, man, who are you? What's going on? Like, how do you build that credibility with them? I would for imagine them? your socials probably help on that side too. Yeah. You know? well, to, to be honest, I'm totally undercover. Like I don't give them any okay. of that stuff. And this, this is another one. This is a hack that took me a while to figure out because this is something a lot of people struggle with. So what I found, the best way to do it is, one, you want to be very nonchalant, very non-emotional, 
and keep it everything short and sweet. And when I call them, I keep it very cut and dry. I say, hey, my name is Rich. I saw you just sold the property on 123 Main Street. I have one in the same neighborhood that I'm going to be listing and putting on the market. I'm looking for a great agent to work with. You know, I called you because I saw you sold this other one and I'm out of state. Tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of what you know about that area. So right away, I put the ball back in their court and I make the whole front end of the conversation them selling themselves to me so I can have a fair evaluation on how they communicate. Like, let's face it. Look, if they suck at uh, like trying to earn a job, they're really going to suck at selling my house. 100%. And they could be good on the phone with the initial call, but I also give them some tests to see are they actually workers or are they talkers? So that's one of the things before the call is over, I always ask them, hey, look, you know, give me your opinion on where you think it needs to be priced to sell within 30 days. I'm going to email you over the, all the pictures I have and notes on condition. You know, we're looking to make a decision in the next 48 hours and sign listing papers. You know, uh, get that to me as soon as you can. And then we'll, let's go and talk. You know, I have a great feeling from you. You seem really sharp. Uh, I'd love to work with you. But, um, you know, I have to talk to my partner before we make a final decision. And it also explain... There's a lot of landmines that if you do it wrong, the, it'll, it'll blow up. So I have a very streamlined process that I use every time. And that was developed from doing it like a bunch of wrong ways and having like things go sideways. Yeah, because I would imagine you've probably learned over time you can't bring the novation up probably in the first, what, couple minutes of the call. That's oh, got to no. be something well, way down the probably, line. I just imagine a lot of traditional realtors are like, what, what is a novation? You know, and that's something I kind of want to dive into a lot. I feel like a lot of the people listening realistically yeah. um, don't even know what an innovation is. And I honestly, I feel like maybe we should have started that and maybe we'll cut but, <laughs> yeah. um, and throw this at the front. But in, in your terms, what is an innovation deal? Okay. So a I call it a, a rainmaker innovation because there's a lot of different ways to do innovation. Some people partner up and they do big remodels. The way we do it is basically we promise the seller a net price. We let them know we're going to be selling to a third party and we earn our fee from the buyer. We let them know we uh, have the paperwork to work with an agent if we want. And we can sell to a buyer with a loan. And then basically we put the property, we sell to a third party and we earn a fee from the buyer. So it's like wholesaling, but an agent is your dispo. Right. And the MLS is your marketplace and you can sell to retail buyers with loans. So it's kind of like the holy grail of wholesaling where everyone's like, man, I wish I could just put this property on the market, right? Right. But then you have to get private capital, use your cash. So you can essentially wholesale without actually taking down the property. Got so. it. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I know I've I've explained it too to a couple of people and they're, it takes a couple of times of really just kind of learning and understanding to really wrap your mind around it. But it's essentially- <laughs> like, what's the catch though? Yeah, yeah. yeah so where's like, that? Where's yeah. This has to be illegal. There's something weird going on that he's not telling me, but no, like you just need the proper paperwork and the proper disclosures. And you have to be able to effectively communicate what the true value is to the seller. Because what these sellers, the ones that are the right fit that say yes, they're looking for certainty, peace of mind, and a pleasant experience. So do you open escrow or is it is your documentation, it's not even like, hey, the traditional route, right, of going escrow and all of that. Is it like, hey, sign these documents, you know, that locks them in. And then what does that process really look like for the seller in a sense? Because it's got to be, I would imagine, fairly similar to a traditional deal from their standpoint. Well, so... We sign the initial paperwork, and then we start working on the back end. Now, with the sellers, our main selling point is the result, not the process. So we don't bore them with the details because they don't want to be involved with any of that. They're just looking for the final result. 
So behind the scenes, we're looking for agents, we're hiring the best agent, we're off market uh, marketing it to investor live, buyers lists. If we can get a quick off market deal, absolutely. But most of these aren't a fit for off market and that's why we're going this route in the first place. But yeah, for the seller, they just have to be, you know, the house has to be available for showings and they do sign the buyer's final offer once we accept it. So we make the decision on which offer we take but they're the ones that physically sign it. And that makes things much easier on the lender side and on the title side. Some people sign with power of attorney or attorney in fact. I used to. I've, I've done probably at least 100 deals like that. But we don't anymore because some lenders don't like that. And you don't want your deal blowing up once you have the buyer. Because once the cat's out of the bag and the lender says no, it's then it's over. Yeah. You're not getting it back. Well, yeah. And then the seller seeing the I mean, they're seeing the, the higher the offer, you know, but it's, it goes back to, to like the wholesaling side, because a lot of people are like, oh, isn't the seller going to see the settlement sheet and see that you're making all this money? But at that point, right, they're happy to get it done. They understand that you have to make money. I would imagine a lot of people are probably pretty understanding. Are they understanding on like, hey, Rich has got to get paid as well? It's really important that you serve the seller on a high level. The seller needs to be happy and have as close to a five-star experience as possible. So that's the key. And I always do whatever I can to make their life easier, whether it's help them move, whether it's, um, you know, pay off a bill or something if it needs to be, fixing up the house. But we just coordinate everything. But yeah, it's very important. And I prep them from the very beginning to focus on, okay, you are going to be getting every penny of 406000 Now, whether we make $1 or we make a million dollars, 406000 is yours, minus any taxes, loans, anything you have to pay off. Um, so it, I, I just focus them on, on their end of it, right? And they understand too. Like when they see the buyer's offer, we still are paying closing costs. We still have inspections coming. We got to pay both sides of the realtors. You know what I mean? But they understand it's a business. But that's why with this, not only because it's the right thing, but even business-wise, you need to serve them. They, need, they can't not like you and see that you're making $100,000. Like it's not gonna work, you know what I mean? So you have to make sure that they do like you and they understand that the value that you're bringing. Yeah, and do you think there's gonna be regulation in the like in the future that, that maybe changes the process? Like we saw recently in wholesale, you know, what last couple of years, you know, we used to never disclose we're gonna wholesale, but now with that, that regulation being in place, I mean, do you see any of that coming down the pipeline for anyone out there thinking of getting yeah. into it? Yeah, because there's a lot of jackasses out here that aren't disclosing and aren't setting expectations. Canceling deals. Canceling deals, throwing it on a flat fee broker and hoping the seller doesn't find out and then giving some BS story of, oh, it's pre-marketing. Oh, here's my buyers. Or they call the buyers other things, my contractor, my this, that. I think if people are just transparent, that's the, that's the Best solution. Best way to run a business. Yeah. yeah. But they're probably going to have to compel people to be transparent with some sort of laws and regulations. <laughs> or maybe even like I've heard um, rumors going on, like, you know, there might be some states saying that you have to be a licensed agent to do some of this. I don't know if that could come into play or if even that would make sense. But like, are you worried about any of that coming down where they're like, hey, you know, you got to be licensed because I know some states like they, you know, I don't know if it's already done or if that is actually going to happen. But sure. if you're nationwide, I mean, you got to have a big operation to have all that coverage, you know, to be licensed. Sure. So I don't know if it's more on the licensing side or just like regulation of just more disclosures, I would mm -hmm. imagine. Probably more disclosures and just kind of like creative financing 
we're seeing a lot of that right now. Like we're over disclosing my, I was talking to my attorney the other day and he's like, dude, there's going to be, there's probably going to become a time where they're going to have some sort of crazy disclosure really built out around creative financing. Right. So he's like, just get ahead of it now, put those disclosures in right now and let the regulation catch up to you. So I would imagine you're going to see, start seeing some of that. Um, I guess going, so kind of going back and forth here, I know we talked about innovations, but the market doesn't seem to really affect you, right? Whether it goes up, down, you're going to be kind of in the middle, making your money, kind of similar to what we do on wholesale. That's what I tell the everyone's right. like, oh, what are we going to do? The market, the market. I'm like, Same gloom attitude, man. Yeah, it's like, hey, buy lower. Yeah, exactly, buy lower <laughs> and <sell> lower. <laughs> and unfortunately, like you said too, and I, you know, I hate to say, but you know, if that does happen, it probably probably helps us. You know, it, it probably probably creates more distress. So with that being said, you know, the market, we, we hear all the talks of interest rates. We see a lot of that. I know you're selling to retail buyers primarily. Mm -hmm. So that's got to be something on their mind. Do you see a lot of these people right now offering or, or purchasing these novations asking, hey, Rich, we need or asking your agent, hey, we need concessions. We need yeah. this. We need that. How many of your of your deals would you say are selling with no with uh, concessions? With no concessions. Oh man, uh, no, most of them. Yeah. Especially <laughs> getting, after Benzer, you know. It's yeah, it, and we see a lot of FHA loans right now. A lot of VA loans. Um, I mean, whenever I can jump on a conventional or a cash offer, I will. But that's what we've been we've been seeing a lot of it. Yeah, and we're getting hit with you know three percent or. It just depends on the deal. But normally, they're coming back with stuff on the Benzer. They're coming back, um, you know, maybe the offer's coming in high at first, but then we look into it and see, oh, yeah, it's got this, this, and this knocked off it. So Yeah, and if you're a wholesaler out there, too, and you find yourself in a situation where you're in a wholesale deal or you got to, for some reason, take the property down – and it limits you on the on the back end when you sell it to an FHA buyer. Isn't there a ninety day? Yeah, FHA? there's a ninety day seasoning period that we completely sidestep. Yeah, so the if, title doesn't change. Yeah, so if you're a wholesaler out there and you're you know come across a deal, make sure you guys keep that in mind because Rich might be a good guy for you to contact if you have a property like that because now you're not taking title to it. Now you can open yourself up to that FHA buyer and possibly even jump in there and do a little bit of the renovations you know, like you would have done on a regular wholesale deal. So for sure, that's, um, that's really interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to definitely look into that more. That's something, I mean, we, I've never done a novation deal. Uh, just recently I started kind of going through your course. <laughs> we're going to get learning. you your first one. We're going to pop that shit. I know, Broke man. That Instagram, but it gets you curious. <laughs> yeah. I'm, gonna... I'm curious too, um, for people out there too. So what, uh, what kind of does your course involve and what is, what is the cost associated with that? Oh, it's a little bit of nothing, man. Um, so so the course, it's got the core. It, it, it's tough, right? Because there's so many different aspects to this. The core of the course is a step-by-step -step acquisition process because that's the most important thing because there's a different dynamic in these deals than you have with a regular wholesale deal. So I have scripts, and it's breaking down, broken down into three phases. So there's the discovery phase where we get all the information from them. We try to find out all the condition stuff about the house assess their situation, figure out what their fears are, what they're trying to avoid, where they're trying to go towards. Then we have what's called the anchor phase. And this is where the rubber meets the road, where we have to set their expectations at a realistic level on where legitimate cash offer is actually going to come in, right? Because they may be getting gassed up by little Jimmy that's living in uh, grandma's basement that just watched a, a, a video on YouTube and now
now he's a wholesaler, right? And he's saying, oh yeah, we can give you 300,000 for it. And it's like, well, that's, you know, the ARV's 310 and it needs a whole lot of work. Like it's not gonna work. No right? way, yeah. <laughs> so the anchor phase is where we present market data and basically set expectations for where a cash offer may be. But we're always defer deferring to a third party decision maker. So it's a very low friction process because you need the seller to like you and to be on your side to have a high uh, closing percentage on these. And then the th third phase is the deliver phase. And this is where we get back to them. We let them know the decision's been made. You know, there is a price that we can purchase it cash, but unfortunately it's, it's a lot less than they were wanting to be. And it's probably not gonna be a fit. The price is X amount. And then we let them know, and this is the first time they hear about concierge service. I don't even call it Novation because they don't know what Novation is and they, they don't care what Novation is. Concierge service is where we basically tell them, hey, look, you did qualify for this program. And, you know, this is, you know, we're very selective on which properties we can take on because it's very labor and resource intense for us. But you got to fully qualified. And then basically we explain, you know, we resell our contract to a third party. We only get paid when the deal closes. That's why we're so selective. And then we run them through the paperwork and reveal all the details, all the nitty gritty stuff. But we sell on the result and then we close with all the details and disclosures. So we're not saying, hey, Mr. Seller, because you hear people, some say that some people do this, like um, they say no to your cash offer. And then you're like, well, we do have this other thing that may work as a consolation prize. It's called the blah, blah, blah program. Would you like to hear more about it, right? And for a laydown, like that may convert them, right? They've got a really, you know, someone from, we were talking about the Midwest, right? Yeah. Or oh, like, yeah, yeah. Just a nice yeah. person, yeah. like Ned Flanders. Sure. Like, yeah, sure, give let's give it a yeah. shot, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, when you pitch the cash offer as an impossible solution, because for these people, where we would really need to be for a cash offer isn't going to work for them, right? Because their house isn't trashed. And the, you know, a, a flipper, they need to be at a certain price to make the deal work. So once they've eliminated that from their mind, and then they're qualified for the perfect solution where they get what they want, certainty, peace of mind, and a good experience. So we're giving them everything they want, and then they see the price for the first time when we're running them through the paperwork. So there's a very short window from when we reveal the perfect solution to when they sign on the dotted line. And it's, a, it's about a half hour time that it takes for all that to happen. Half hour to 45 minutes, depending on if they have questions. It's the perfect time frame for them to fully run through it in their mind, go through all the details, answer any questions they have, and make a decision before they have time to sit there and worry about it and run imaginary scenarios in their head. You need momentum for these. You need someone to make a decision because if you give too much details and you focus too much on the process, then they start imagining everything that can go wrong when really what they need is to be reassured and they basically just want a professional that's competent that they're confident that can get it done. Yeah. And if you guys didn't catch it, Rich said something that's really, really important is they have to really like you. So the low ball number you give them, the same thing we do in wholesaling is, hey, this is what other investors are paying for. It's never our number. It's never, we're never like, oh, you want 400? <laughs> we're going to give you 200. It's always the other investors paying about 200. So make sure that you guys keep that in mind because you don't want that seller, right, to get cold feet at the last second or to really, you know, have more friction throughout the process. And then they're like, you know, Rich, I appreciate it, but, you know, I just, I don't think it's a good fit, right, for okay. whatever reason. And they're not telling you that it, maybe it's just a personal thing. Yeah, I like what you said about the momentum, too. So you're, mm -hmm. you're giving it to them, but you're also, you know, you're, you're keeping them in the game the whole time and not 
hanging up the phone and letting them go. Essentially, you're, you're staying on the phone with them and walking through this process the whole time. Oh, right? yeah. That's, I mean, it's a lot of kind of what we see on your Instagram is that is you uh, unfolding this entire process for people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, I think that's, I think that's super important in any type of real estate deal, but it definitely makes sense in this case to where you're making sure that they're in the know um, and still competent in their decision. That's enough time to make a competent decision, um, but not lose them, you know, to where they exactly. get Exactly. Yep. Yeah, and they get, yeah they get in their head, and then you know, like you said, they create all these imaginary situations. So I've always been curious, why not get licensed, Rich? Why not go and be an agent in Arizona where you live, and then do novations out of state? Um, I guess I haven't had a compelling reason to be licensed. I mean, I don't know what. I mean, sell me on it. I don't know. Maybe I should get licensed. <laughs> well, there's well, plenty of them. <laughs> yeah, I know. There is, there's a lot of agents out here. But just being that you're in the industry, right? You, yeah. you know a lot of people. You obviously know a lot of agents. You know, I mean, you're building your your brand, you know, your, your awareness around you. I would imagine you have a lot of friends and family out here. So I was just thinking, like, you know, there's got to be opportunity. Everyone, I, I would imagine, probably knows you as the real estate guy. They probably don't really understand what you do. They're like, right. Rich is in real estate. He's not an agent. So... <laughs> I just, I was wondering if, you know, since you have that brand already, that if you could kind of translate it, but if you're already crushing out of state, you know, or nationwide, it's probably like, Hey, why, why come back and try to do this other thing? Cause I'm a big believer in your one thing too. So for sure. And the retail side, I don't think I would enjoy. Um, I don't like leaving my house. You know what I mean? So that's one setback, right? Um, and dude, I have massive respect for agents, but like the reason I work with agents is I don't want to have to do all the stuff that they do. Honestly, like they're the front. I love it. I I don't want to either. (laughs) You know, they're the front line. They take the late calls. They do the weekend stuff. They have to do paperwork. You know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it. So I I wouldn't be opposed to getting licensed, but I'm like, well, why am I going to stop doing deals to go take a class to get licensed? Uh, cause I'm not getting, I'm not going to look for referral fees from my agents or anything like that. I just pay all my agents, whatever the normal commission is for that area and for that price point. So Got most it. of the times it's 6%. If it's a higher price point, it might be a little bit less, but. No, that makes a lot of sense. And just focusing in your one thing, you know, yeah. it's like stay in your lane. You, you're good at novations. It's like, let's, you know, take this all the way to the finish line. So I guess back on the, the part about the seller's objections. I just mm-hmm. want to kind of do a quick thing about objections. I know yeah. a lot of folks out there probably are like, man, I could already imagine all the questions and objections I'm going to get. What would you say? Like if they're, Hey, Rich, you know, I some program sounds great, but I want to meet you in person. I want to shake your hand, right? I'm sure you've had that a million times. And it's like, <laughs> how, how do you overcome that? Do you say I'm out of state? Um, you know, I can't, I can't meet you in Montana. I'm going to hire an agent to come meet you. But like, sure. how do you, how do you overcome that? So, uh, well, one thing I always position myself as a glorified information gatherer. So I'm the low man on the totem pole. I'm very nice, very professional. I'm really good at what I do, but they don't see me as someone that they necessarily need to meet. And to be honest, I've only had one person ever asked to do a video chat with me. Wow. Um, so it's the way I carry myself on the phone too. I think there's some built-in trust. It speaks volumes to what you're scripting and your tonality and your cadence yes. on the conversation, you know, in that conversation, because like you said, they probably think you're part, you know, you're a part of a company and that, you know, you're just, you know, one of the guys in there, right? Yeah. You're I let not- them know. I work with a group of investors. We're all loosely affiliated and we do deals together. Yeah. Um, but I keep it very vague. And like people ask me too, like, 
what kind of credibility thing do you send them? Or what's your website look like? I'm like, I have no website. Yeah. They're like, well, what's your company name? MRW Ventures LLC. They're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, people never even ask me though what my company name is. And they never, you know what I mean? They yeah. never ask for Well, because you don't make it a big deal. Well, you don't make it a big deal. Too. It's the confidence behind the voice. You yeah. Know? yeah. If you can carry yourself, they're going to feel that. Exactly. If they're in front of you or on the phone, you know? Yeah. And and it, it, I always tell our agents here too, I'm like, if you make it a big deal, they're going to make it a big deal. If you're like, right. hey, it's not a big deal, you know, it, you're going to exude that confidence and you're not going to have that objection as, as frequently as imagine some other Novation guys have probably come to you and asked you that question of like the credibility and all that good stuff. What about, uh, Hey man, why don't I just sell this myself and go hire the agent in my area? Why, why, um, you know, if it's 60 days outreach, why would I, why would I use your concierge service? Why wouldn't I just use a, a listing agent in the area? So, some people will use a listing agent, but no, well, actually most, most people, almost everybody that sells their house is going to use an agent. And for almost everybody, it is the best solution. But normally, by the time we get to the point where I'm pitching the offer, hiring an agent is not the solution for their situation. Otherwise, we normally wouldn't have got that far. You know what I mean? So there's normally some personal reason, either they've had a bad experience, they don't want, they don't have the bandwidth to deal with it emotionally or mentally. Um, or some other factor, maybe the house may need some repairs or they need help moving and they don't have the money, you know what I mean? Or they need to move their stuff out. So there's normally a reason, but if hiring an agent is the best thing for them, um, they, they won't say yes to our offer because they yeah. can normally make more, you know, with, with an agent. But the thing is, is they're not going to hire the same agent I am. They're going to have some agent that's uh, their friend Betty from Poker Nights uh, kid. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just got his yeah. license yeah. and hey, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And it just it, – it's all making a lot more sense. Like I can totally see the full picture of why and how and really just walking them through that process and what yeah. the benefit would be of, of going that route. Um, are you doing any wholesale or fix and flips yeah. here in the Valley? Not, uh, so wholesale, yes, probably about 20% of my deals will sell off market. So if we can sell it off market, it's quick, it's close to the amount of money that we would get on market. We'll take that all day. Um, cause quick money is good. We all like, you know, just time kills all deals. (laughs) If I can make a quick 20, 30, 40, let's, let's run it. Um, fix and flip. No, I hate fix and flips. And I normally won't spend more than maybe $5,000. Uh, like per house, unless there's like a really compelling reason to yeah, do that. Just, well, because I, I mean, it opens you up to so much more risk, right? If you're sinking 20 grand, 10 grand, 15 grand into all these houses, and maybe you're a little off on your number, I mean, that could be a huge, I think a huge, you know, opens yourself up to a huge amount of risk because like in wholesaling, we don't have that risk, right? Sure. You know, that's why we're not flipping it. We don't want to take the risk of risking our own money and not getting it back out. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, Robbie, what do you, what do you have anything else for, for Rich here or? I don't think so, man. I definitely, I, I learned a ton. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting. Like a lot of people that I know truthfully don't even realize that you can do Novation deals or what it is. So yeah. um, I think it's awesome that obviously you're seeking out the elite agents. I think that's a huge part of your process. I think that's super important to understand um, about what you do. Like you said, you know, they're not going to hire the same agent that you're going to hire. So um, just for sellers too, obviously vetting out your agents and making sure you're, you're getting the best of the best. I think that's huge. Yeah, man. We, yeah. 
we really appreciate you coming on today, Rich. Thank you again for, for coming in the studio. And thank you guys so much for watching Young Money Mindset. If you guys have gotten value out of this podcast, make sure you guys hit the, the like button, hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you guys leave us a review as well. We'd love to hear some of your guys' feedback and who we should have on next. Thank you, guys. Peace. Thank you.